done. Very well done. I love to see people, especially young people, use their talents to serve and honor the Lord. Few things are more encouraging than that. Well, I want to thank you for the grace that was extended to me uh, for allowing me to be away ministering in India. And God blessed. I recommend that all of you uh, get a chance to go on a mission trip someday. God will open your eyes to how powerful he is and how he is working all around the world. It's not just here. It's not just in this church. It's not just among people that look like us or speak like us or eat like us. It's people all over the world. And we found some of God's choice servants over there. I must admit that I've become a homebody. In my 20s, I really enjoyed traveling. And I realized it's been a number of years since I've traveled internationally and that it's, uh, it was more fun uh, back then than it was now as far as the travel. But I will tell you that this was a wonderful trip. And we're going to tell our young people more and more about that as time goes on. But junior church today? All right, my young friends. I'm going to dismiss you to junior church, but don't worry. You'll get to see all the pictures and everything from my trip to India another time. Our children grades 1 through 6 are free to head to the fellowship hall with our children's team for junior church at this time. If you have a young person with you, grades 1 through 6, and you always wanted to know what goes on in junior church, you are more than welcome to attend with them. There's nothing quite like this place, but I found another place in the world that uh, has a piece of my heart now. Not because of the location uh, or the amenities, but because of the people that were there. We met some wonderful people. Uh, and I, I remember thinking to myself as we were traveling between locations while we were in India, uh, is this going to be worth it? Is this going to be worth it? Uh, the roads were a bit rough. You think we've got pothole problems here in, in Cleveland. You, you've, you've got to go to India and have your mind expanded. I feel bad for the, the shocks on all of the vehicles there and the people doing those roads on mopeds because they were doing it. Um, I tell you, it wasn't, it wasn't the people, I remember sitting there, excuse me, it was the people, not the place. I remember sitting there thinking, I hope this is worth it. A lot of money has been spent, a lot of time away, uh, time away from you all, time away from my family, and I'm just hoping that it'll all be worth it. And we came to uh, the uttermost, and there was no sign for it. The sign actually read Ukrul, but it was the uttermost in many ways, and we went from Delhi to the capital city of a state called Manipur in India, and then we drove three hours from there uh, creatively. And I got to tell you right now, Randy Johnson. Randy, would you stand up for a second? Would you stand up for a second, Brother Randy? This man is probably the best driver in our entire church family. <laughs> now, we could probably have a competition to figure it out, but if, if you, thank you, Brother. If you have ever seen how they drive on the roads in India, this man can drive those roads, and then some. Not just around the city, but it, the, the gentleman who came to get us, his name is Ningwan Kumra, one of the people we support, one of the men doing God's work, uh, and just with so little doing so much by the Spirit of God. He pulled up to our hotel, and he handed the keys over to Randy, and he said, you drive. And so <laughs> I was scared to death. I've never prayed I've never prayed for Randy Johnson like I prayed that day, even though he's one of our missionaries. And I'll tell you what, you should always pray for people, 
Uh, but, but I don't think I needed to be that worried. And he drove us over the mountains, and we got there. And I'm telling you, we were shaken uh, apart by those roads. But when we got there, and we saw the people, and we saw what was going on at the O'Cruel Baptist Church, and we saw what was going on at the O'Cruel Baptist Theological College, it was more than I ever could have hoped for. Pastors oftentimes don't get a chance to visit the missionaries that their church supports on the field. Uh, we support, by God's grace and the generous giving of God's people, 100 missionaries at a generous amount all over the world. And I, I praise God for that. Our church seems to love missionaries and loves missions. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're so blessed here where we are. And we'll look at the scriptures about that. But I, I had only known Ningwan Kumra, which if you look at the picture up there, he's the gentleman in the center, in the back, uh, wearing the blue shirt. He's in the very center carrying the Bible. That, that is Ningwan. He is the, uh, the pastor of the Ukrul Baptist Church and the founding president of the Ukrul Baptist Theological College. And uh, we've supported him for a number of years, even prior to COVID, only at the recommendation of Randy and Kelly Johnson, who are the some of the finest Christians. I've never met anyone finer than them. And only they and Sandy had been to this area. David, did you go to this area? No, he hadn't been to this area, but though he'd been on trips with them. And um, everyone hopes that their mission dollars are going towards something worthwhile. You don't want some bum who's sitting there doing nothing, collecting money, not trying to reach people. I tell you what, we have never, and to my understanding, we have never made a better investment than what's going on in Ukrul right now. I have seen people do so much with so little. I know you can barely see it, but there are some tin sheet metal buildings in the back. Do you know what those are? Those aren't just outhouses. Those are college buildings where the students are being trained in this rural part of India. Wood and sheet metal off the side of the road, hard to see. This is not a place that you would normally uh, look at and, and be impressed by it. But I want you to know, on Sunday morning and on Sunday night, that church building is filled with people that they've reached. Amen. During the chapel services, uh, six days a week inside of that building in the classroom, it is filled with young men and women who are going to change their part of the world in a way that you and I could never do. They're right on the border of a place called Burma or Myanmar. It's closed right now because of COVID, but even before then, you and I, people that look like us, we, we couldn't get in there. We could not get in there. There's constantly a military coup going on. There's currently one right now. The Chinese are backing it, and they're, they have a, a stranglehold on what few Christians are there. But I want you to know that this college and this church are training and equipping people from Burma that have come over the border to go back into Burma and to train and teach their people. I want you to look at the man on the far right standing in the back with the blue coat on. His name is Angelus. Some of our young people gathered money together in the form of coins over a long time in order to provide him uh, with, with a laptop, and we were able to present that to him. He's got some camo pants on there. He's a rugged man, but God has called him. He will walk for multiple days to places where bikes and jeeps cannot go up the mountains. We were, we were at 6,000 feet above sea level, 6,500 feet above sea level during this time. And he will walk up and down the mountains to find remote villages and to tell them about Jesus Christ. This man gathers Buddhist monks on the other side of the border in Burma and gives them the gospel. They have a, a hidden training station put up on the other side of the Burmese border where they are training 
people in Burma to reach people. What, what we are looking at here is something I've only read about. They are on the cusp of what I would call a church planting movement. Not one or two churches being planted, but the young people that they are training, the young people that they are training are going to change so many things. They speak languages that you and I could not speak. Do you know what all the, the, the young people speak there in the college? English, because none of them speak the same language at home. There's so many different tribes that they speak different languages, so they've got to find a medium to, to communicate, so they, they learn English so that they can talk with one another. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. Not only that, but Ningwan and this college are standing alone against great denominational pressure. There are liberal Protestant denominations there that have been trying to take people that would stand on their own and follow God and have no headquarters but in heaven, just the church in Jesus Christ. They are trying to pull people away with the lure of money, saying that if you will bring your church into our convention, into our association, we will pay your salary... We'll give you a special ordination so that you can travel about and perform ceremonies and get paid for that. We'll build you a church building, and all you have to do is allow us to tell you where you're going to pastor, give us half of your tithes of everything that you bring in, and support our doctrine, including things like baptismal regeneration and some other doctrine that is not accurate. And this man is standing almost alone in his church and in his college against these pressures. I am so impressed at what's going on there. You know what he called us? He called us ravens when Randy and I and, and Sandy and Kelly came. He said, have you ever been called a raven before? Not a football fan, not, not talking about that. But he talked about a passage of scripture. Would you turn there with me in 1 Kings? He talked about a passage of scripture. I want you to know that if you engage in tithing, in this church, if you engage in faith promise missions, you have been an answer to prayer. You have been an answer to prayer. Not just praying, but God has used you on the other side of the world. We were called ravens. I want to, to read this for you. This was a passage that this man read for us when we were there in chapel. It says in 1 Kings chapter 17, in verse number 1, and Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Kareth, which is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Kareth, that is, before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass, after a while, that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. And he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake but an handful of meal in a barrel. 
and a little oil in a cruise, and behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he in her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. Let's pray together. Father, as we look to your scriptures this morning, would you open them? Would you give us understanding? Would you move us to be in line with the mind of Christ? In Jesus' name, amen. This is a long time before the Lord Jesus Christ about 900 years, and we find ourselves in the kingdom of Israel. It is split, unfortunately, between the northern and the southern kingdom. And here in Israel, wicked King Ahab rules. And during his rule, God has a prophet who is trying to show how great God is over Baal, which is the false god, and Ashtaroth, which is the false god that Israel has started worshiping, that Israel had started worshiping instead of the Lord. And Elijah is a prophet, meaning that he speaks on behalf of God to mankind. And Ahab here gets a message from Elijah, the Tishbite. It says that he said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. He said what's going to happen is there won't be any rain. The dew will not be enough to sustain the water needed for society to function. There won't be enough to drink. There won't be enough for your crops. There won't be enough to take care of your animals. And this is coming as judgment, King Ahab, because you have led the people astray. You have led the people astray from that which is right to worship things that are wrong. And until you repent or until God shows mercy, there will not be enough water in the land. And he declares this to King Ahab. He was consciously standing Elijah was consciously standing in the presence of God. He said, the word of the Lord before whom I stand. What gives a man boldness to stand against the wicked when he stands by himself? Elijah didn't have an army behind him that people could see. He didn't have a great amount of leaders in the government that could support him. He didn't even have a ton of followers. In fact, at one point he said, I am all that's left of people that are taking the Lord God seriously and putting him in his rightful place. What could make a man like him stand before wicked King Ahab, who has people murdered for just about any reason he can come up with, and have boldness? It's because, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, God and one man makes a majority. I don't care who stands against him. If someone stands on the Lord's side... They are always in the majority. And so because he stood in confidence in God and that he would not bend to the wicked that were all around him, he had boldness and he declared that he would not be a part of what was going on. In verse number two, we read about how is God going to take care of his man during this time? Elijah is the prophet of God and the famine that's going to come because of the drought that's not going to only affect certain people. It's going to affect everybody. Can God take care of his people during times of hardship? Is God able to do things 
unusual things that other people may not understand in order to care for his man or to care for his people. Is he able? He's more than able. And we see his plan. In verse number two, it says, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Kareth that is before Jordan. So he says, I want you to go, and it's not a big place, and there's not a lot of people around, but you're going to go into a relatively unknown area, and when you're there, that's, that's where I'm going to take care of you. And it shall be, verse number four, that thou shalt drink of the brook. Well, that makes sense. You're going to need water, and I'm sending you towards a brook, towards a stream. And that's where you're going to get your water. Nothing unusual going on there. But the second half says, And I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. What is a raven? It is a scavenger, isn't it? Right? It's a scavenger. It is not a kind sharing bird. Have you ever seen birds fight over a carcass? Cawing and snapping at each other? That's what a raven is like. A raven is a taker, not a giver. A raven is not a maternal animal. Perhaps you've heard stories about the, the jungle book and the, the man cub who was raised by wolves in, in India and the jungle book and all that. Ravens, there are no stories about ravens raising children. That's not how they work. This is directly against how the animal behaves. And God says, that's no problem. I'm going to command thee that when you go to this brook, yeah, you're going to drink from the brook and that's a normal way to get your water, but the ravens are going to feed you. Not that you're going to feed on the ravens. The ravens are going to feed you. Verse number five. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. What an unusual thing that God asked him to do and he still did it. Taking me to the brook, I can deal with that. Drinking from the brook, I can deal with that. Wait, ravens? In case you're wondering, this is not the normal way that people got food in the Bible times. It was not always from birds dropping it off. That was not something normal. This was something very unusual. And yet, Elijah, having faith that God would take care of him, decided that he would go. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Kareth, and that is before Jordan. Verse 6, And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. So the birds would come twice a day, and they would drop off bread for him to eat, and they would drop off meat for him to eat. This is not, this is not a parable. This is not an illustration. This is not symbolism. These are actual birds that came and dropped off bread and dropped off meat, and that's what he ate. Where did he get them? Where did the birds get the meat from? Where did they get the bread from? I have no idea. But he went, and as tiny as they were, and as small as it was, and what difference could ravens make, they made a huge difference to him. This man, uh, on our, uh, if you'll go back to our slide, sermon slide there, the man in the middle, the name Ningwan, uh, his name is Ningwan Kumra, who we've been supporting for a number of years now, he's, he's somewhat of a quiet man. He's, he's reserved. He, he's very uh, diplomatic when he speaks. He's very careful when he speaks. He notices everything that's going on. He's not a man given to flights of fancy or to emotion. And Randy and Kelly and Miss Sandy have been there a number of times before, and, and sometimes it takes a little bit for him to open up. But we were in uh, a chapel service at the college, and he's leading in prayer as he's opening our time together, and he begins to cry as he prays. 
he begins to cry as he, and as he prays, and he says, you have sent me, you have sent me ravens to feed me when there was nothing else, when there was no one else. I want you to know that as far as support for this church and this man's family and this college, no one, hardly, no, no other church, there may be a few people giving individually, no one is standing with him but us. And he told me that he has been praying for a long time for me to come. And I think to myself, what do I have to give this man? Here he is doing such a great work in such a hard place with so little. With so little. What do I have? Apparently it was enough to know that someone stood alongside him. And someone helped him when, when he needed it. And he began to, to cry and to thank God that we could have this day and that we could all be together and share in what God's doing there. I, I, wish, I wish I could take you all with me. I wish I could spare you some of the journey. But I wish I could take you all with me to see the young people. That these, these are the staff members at the Ukrul Baptist Theological College. They are doing an amazing work with very, very little. When I say very little, I mean very little. You, by your generosity and by your prayers, have been instrumental in this ministry continuing on. And not just continuing on, but through the generous giving of this church and other people, we were able to help them buy their own land in order to build their church and their college upon. We were able to help them get connected with another ministry called the Carpenters Project, which is an independent Baptist ministry that helps people build buildings. And they'll be moving into those last of the two buildings that have been built, uh, hopefully this October, and that way the, the boys, the girls are already in the concrete buildings, but the boys will no longer need to live in these dirt floor buildings uh, with tin for walls and roof. All of that was made possible through people just like you who decided, I'm going to give and put the things of eternity ahead of the immediate needs. But there wasn't just ravens. Because in verse number 7, things changed. It said, and it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Verse number 8, and the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. God just keeps picking an unusual way for God's man to have what he needs. Ravens, pretty bizarre. Now a widow woman. Why is that weird? Well, today, a widow may have uh, money or may not. A widow may have resources or may not, may have respect and, and pull or may not. But in Bible times, a, a widow was one of the oppressed, was one of the afflicted, just like the fatherless. Without a man to earn, without a man to take care of, without a man to protect, widows were often left to be destitute. And they had to go and beg or collect what was left over in the fields that people had left for them. They were not who you would go to if you needed help. And not only that, but the famine, because of the drought, had been going on for a while now. And God said, I'm going to have a widow woman sustain you. I want you to know this was not just for Elijah, but through Elijah's going, this was also for the widow woman. This was also for the widow woman. Notice, when he comes into town, he sees her. Verse 10, so he arose and went to Zarephath and he came to the gate of the city. Behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. 
And he called to her and said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. So he finds her and she's gathering firewood and he says, I need something to drink. The brook is dried up. He's been traveling to Zarephath from where he was at Kareth. And he says, I'm thirsty. And so she goes to get him something. And as she was going to fetch it, verse 11, he called to her and said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. He didn't ask for a lot, but he said, I need something to eat. The, the ravens have stopped delivering because I've left the brook and I've not had anything to drink and I need something. And he asks of her thinking, well, the Lord has said this woman will sustain me. So she must be a widow of some means. Well, she said in verse 12, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. She had a young son, a son that was too young to take care of her. And she said, I only have a little bit of flour left, a little bit of meal left in a barrel. I don't have anything baked. I don't have enough to feed you right now. And, and I don't really have a lot to bake it, the, the oil that I'll need in order to make it. I have just a little bit left in a cruise, in a, in a small container. That's all I have left. And in fact, you caught me gathering firewood for the very last meal that I was going to have with my son. After we eat this, it's all gone. There's nothing left. The land is dried up. The plants have dried up. The cattle have died off. This is terrible. There's nothing left. My son and I are going to eat this, and then we're going to begin the horrible process of starving to death. What a great place God has brought Elijah to. What a great resource. But Elijah realizes that this is more than just about him, but about this family. Elijah said unto her, Fear not, verse 13, Go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it to me. And after, make for thee and thy son. What gall! <laughs> that this man has to say this is this is the last meal that this woman has she just explained how destitute that she was how tight how hard things are and here he wants he wants her to do it for him first she's got a son what kind of guy is this verse 14 for thus saith the lord god of israel the barrel of meal shall not waste neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the lord sendeth rain upon the earth. He said, something miraculous is going to happen. You're going to go home into that barrel and you're going to scoop out the last little bit of meal that you have. You're going to take the last little bit of oil that you have and you're going to put it into the bowl where you're going to mix up the batter in order to make this cake, this bread for us to eat. And when you do that, you're going to think the barrel is empty because you took the last scoop. And you're going to think that the cruise is empty because you poured the last of it out. But I want you to know that when you dip into that barrel again, you will find another scoop of meal in there, another scoop of flour in there. You'll say, where did that come from? The Lord God said it would be there. You're going to take that cruise that you poured out before that was empty, and you're going to dump that out. And you're going to think there's nothing in there, but when you go to make the next cake for you and your son... You're going to find it's not empty like you thought it was. It's going to pour out. And this will happen every day, every time that you need it until things change and things aren't hard anymore, until the rain falls and the crops grow and the animals are back and you can find things to eat. Until that happens, God is going to take care of you, widow woman. So not only did Elijah have to make the choice to trust that God would provide for him, but now the woman has a choice to make. 
She can either have her last meal with her son with what little she can do on her own, or she can trust the word of the Lord to give first to the man of God who needs it and eat every day for the rest of the time that things are hard in the land. Verse 15, And she went and did, according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. How? Verse 16, The barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. Elijah needed something to drink, and he needed something to eat, and he had needs. He was God's man. He was doing God's work. There was a great need. And God paired him up with an unlikely person, with a widow, who had almost nothing. But when she gave what little she had to the man of God to further the work of God, something miraculous happened. And she and her son, that little family, had more had more than they could have ever done on their own. Because every day, every time, the meal was there. And every day, every time, the oil was there. And Elijah and the woman and her son did eat many days until the rain fell. I can't think of something more unusual, maybe ravens meet the bill, but God taking a church and a college in the far east, mountains of India and a place so rural that you don't know if the power is going to be on or you don't know if there's going to be cell signal, right? Where, where a Western toilet is an unusual thing to find. How many of you are familiar with what a squatty potty is? Anybody know what a squatty potty is? Oh, oh, there is a world of, of uh, interesting facts waiting for you. A place so remote that God would take that and pair it up with a people outside of Cleveland, Ohio, in the United States of America. How many miles away is that? Eleven thousand miles away. What are the chances that that would happen? And I want you to know, Randy and Kelly have been making these trips for a long time. Sandy has gone with them. And they have looked out people to work with. And time and time again, they have found people where they, it just it wasn't a good fit. It just wasn't quite right. They, they weren't standing on quite the right doctrine. They were not teachable. They were not willing to do things God's way. I want, can, I, can I just tell you what this man... He had a college before he had a church. He had a college before he had a church. Now, you and I know that the local church is what God has promised to bless and to care for, and all ministry should, should be underneath that local church. That's what God has commissioned. That's, that's what God has given. And so we told this gentleman, we said, we want you to know that we, we want to help you. I, I wasn't a part of this. Randy and Kelly had this conversation with him and said, you really need to have a church and to put this college underneath it. Because there's lots of things, that people that have orphanages and colleges and schools and all of that, but not a lot of people have churches and they're not necessarily doing it how God has promised to bless. You know what this man did? He started a church. And when he started that church, God filled it. There are a lot nicer church buildings around, 
where, there, where there's a lot more money because of the, the money inside of that association. But he did decide to work God's way. And you know what God did? God blessed him. They're, they're on schedule to have 100 students next summer when the next term begins. They have 65 or 66 right now. And these are Bible college students for the purpose of being trained that are going out all over the world. It, it's, it's amazing to see the humility that this man had and for God to pair us up, not just so that he would have what he needs, but that you and I would have an opportunity to pray and to give that we might experience the blessing of God here like the widow woman experienced the blessing of God as we had an opportunity. Too many unusual things happened to pair us up with this person. There are lots of people out there, and every time uh, the Johnsons work with less and less people for longer and longer periods of time because they're finding the people that are doing it God's way. And if we don't stand with the few who are doing right, who are saying no to the, the difficulties who are standing firm when people say, well, pay your bills. All you have to do is just compromise a little bit. All you have to do is give over the control of your church to us. And as this man gets into those concrete buildings and has a legitimate college, what, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think that it's going to be stronger or weaker, the pull for him to compromise, to abandon his doctrine, to allow them to control? It's only going to be stronger. And if we don't stand with him, who will? There's a Muslim person in Calcutta inside of the immigration office, the customs office there. And you know what he does? does? Every time a Christian person from this part of the country tries to get a visa to come to America to raise support to visit churches, he says no. Every single time. He's been trying for years to come. And God won't let him come. For years. But you see, God didn't give Elijah a barrel with meal full of it. A meal filled inside. He didn't, he didn't give Elijah a cruise with oil inside of it. You know what he gave him? A widow. And she had the barrel. And she had the cruise. And he continued to fill it up as she continued to pour it out. What, what, do, we, what do we take away from all of this? First of all, I want you to trust that God can take care of his people. I want you to trust that God can take care of his people. Because he most assuredly can. I have seen people do a lot with very, very little. These people over there, it's a new level of poverty, and they don't even feel it. They don't even understand how poor they are. And though they might be poor by our standards, work, you know, working for a few dollars a week or something along those lines, they still come to church dressed nicely. That's, that's where I get my, my nice outfit this morning with my rooster on it. Right? And you say, what are the spears for? Because these people used to be headhunters. These tribes in Northeast India, they used to be headhunters and violent people. And in the, the late 1890s, a missionary named William Pettigrew, a Baptist from America, came into this area with the gospel. And he tried to speak with the king of the people in this area of Ukrul and to tell them about the gospel. And the king said, it's been passed down from my forefathers that a man would come to help us understand and interpret a dream that my family has had. And this man may be that man. This missionary may be that man. But the people underneath him, they, they wanted to kill him. They thought he's a spy. 
We can't trust this man. We can't listen to him. And the king could not withhold the hand of violence from his people. So he said this, let's throw him outside the city, make him tie around this rock, make him shelter underneath this rock. There's a big rock outside. And if the animals don't eat him by morning, we'll hear what he has to say. If the animals eat him, we know he's a spy. If the animals don't eat him, the, the tigers and the lions, if they don't eat him, then we'll hear what he has to say. The next morning, William Pettigrew comes walking into the city, God having preserved him overnight. And that was the beginning of Christianity spreading in Northeast India. It had made it to the south from the apostle Thomas, who was sent out, but it, it, never, it never made it up there. They never chose to give the gospel to those people, but now they had it because someone was willing to exercise faith. And from that time, Baptist people have been in that area. It's amazing how many Baptist churches are there. It's simply amazing how many of them there are compared to other denominations, though they are there. I want you to know that God can take care of his people. Just like he took care of William Pettigrew, he can take care of you. Are you one of God's people? Are you one of God's people? Was there a time when by faith you asked Jesus to forgive your sins and be your savior? Do you believe that he died for you, shed his blood for you and rose from the grave? If you have and you've asked him to forgive your sins and be your savior, then you are one of God's people. It's not about joining this church. It's not about getting baptized. It's not about getting christened or catechized or any other thing. It's not about taking the, the sacraments or any of that. The Bible way for salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. This isn't a Baptist thing. This is a Bible thing. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I want you to know that today can be the glad day of your salvation. Friend, if you die in your sins without the forgiveness of Jesus, you will be guilty of those sins. And God will not allow sin into heaven. If you die in your sins, you have sided with the enemy and you will go where the enemy goes, into a place of torment in hell, prepared for the devil and his angels. But God so wanted us with him. He so wanted us to escape the torments of hell. He made us in his image and he wants us with him. He so wants us with him that he sent his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus, to pay our price. We did wrong. We were guilty. We deserved the punishment. But God in his great love stepped in and in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ took all of our sins on him. And when Jesus died on the cross, he did not die by accident, but he laid his life down. Why? Because he died to pay for our sins. He became sin, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. If you are one of God's people, I want you to know he has made promises to take care of you. Sometimes it makes complete sense, like the brook. Brooks give water. God can take care of us that way through natural means. But sometimes he does unusual things, like the ravens. Something you can't explain, where it just shows up, now, I've never been fed by ravens, but I have had unusual things happen. I can think of more than one occasion when we ought to have less money in our bank account than we did, and it was still in there, and we couldn't figure out how. No idea. I have no idea how that happened. It was unusual. Our, our, car, our car had trouble, and um, we were, well, let me back up. We were praying for $500 for something. I remember we were newly married, and we were very... Uh, on the edge of finance, we were praying for $500 for something. And you know what we get from the Ford company? A check for $500. Hey, there was a recall on your vehicle. You didn't know it, but you paid for the repair before we put it out. And the amount that we owe you is $500. Sometimes weird stuff just happens. But sometimes God gives us people. 
Sometimes God gives us people to meet our needs. Not just the financially, but we have the right person at the right time to come alongside and to encourage us. Can I tell you that I don't think what made Ningwon Kumra cry was the, the money that we sent him. I think it's the fact that somebody cared enough to travel around the world to be there and to try and help and encourage him. That a somebody came, not a check. The checks have been coming for years. But that somebody was willing to do that. Sometimes God brings just the right person at just the right time to make sure that God's work goes forward. So sometimes God will give you people. Sometimes God will bless you with something to give to someone else that he wouldn't bless you to, to keep. The job that you may have, the opportunities that you may have, the wealth that you may have, God may have given them not just for you to enjoy them, but so that you might bless others with them, those that need them. And the widow woman was willing to say yes, though she had very little. He didn't send Elijah to some king somewhere who had <laughs> stockpiles. Send it to somebody who was going to have to exercise faith. God can take care I want you to pray daily for the work that's going on in Ukruel. I want you to pray daily for the work that's going on in Ukruel. I don't think there's anything more important that we can do for these people than to bring them up before the throne of grace. I want you to pray for, for Ningwon. Could you put the picture back up for me? The sermon slide. Thank you. I want you to pray for Ningwon. He's the gentleman in, in the middle, the tall gentleman in the center there. His wife's name is Sopi. She's wonderful. They have five children. They have, let me think about this, four boys and one girl. Five young children. The man on the far right, his name is Angelus. When our mission conference comes up, I'm going to tell you more about him. I don't know of anybody who is more worthy of missionary support than what Angelus is doing. We don't support him on a monthly basis, but I think we ought to. I think we ought to. I want you to hear about what he's doing in the remote parts of the world. I mean, this guy is... He was a hunter before he got serious about the things of the Lord, and he would trek all around these mountains trying to find animals. Now he treks all around these mountains trying to find people to tell Jesus, tell about Jesus. It's, it's amazing. He says he's now a soul hunter instead, <laughs> instead of an animal hunter. Now he's out there working for Jesus. If you look at the, the top left, the gentleman in the black coat and the red shirt, his name's Benjamin. That's an easy one to remember. <laughs> Benjamin. Next to him is Gideon in the white shirt with the black coat. These are men who are teaching there. Between Ningwon and Angelus is a young man named Muinong. Muinong. It took me a minute to get his name. He was very kind. He's the warden. He's the warden of the boys' dormitory. The ladies have a matron, and the boys have a warden. I said, in America, we only use the term warden connected with prisons. And Ningwon laughed, and he's like, eh, it's pretty close. <laughs> Down at the bottom on the far left is uh, Gideon's bride-to-be. Her name is Chan Chan. She's wonderful. In the middle is Bria. She's new to the staff. She teaches Greek and Hebrew, among other things. And then there's uh, Io on the right in the, the uh, yellow. These people are worthy of your prayers. They are worthy of your prayers. They are doing so much with so little. One of the great problems of the college is they can't afford to pay people what they deserve. Because other than us, there, there's really no, no support coming in. And the, the students, <laughs> guess what? Ningwon's a softie. He doesn't always make them pay. Because he grew up poor. He grew up without. He became sick 
He became addicted to drugs. He thought that his life was over, his family was just waiting for him to die. And one day, when everyone was out of his household, uh, he snuck into his sister's room and grabbed her Bible and started reading. And God started to get a hold of him and to change his life. He knew what it was like to grow up without hope, when no one would take a chance on you, when no one would be willing to listen to you. And so now, he lets a bunch of these students in at half tuition, and sometimes he doesn't make them pay anything. So he can't afford to pay his staff as he ought to. I think our Sunday school classes ought to adopt one of these teachers to pray for them, but also to help fund them. Do you, do you know what he told me it took to pay the salary for a month of one of these people a good salary so he can keep good staff? It's a tremendously large amount of money. Are you ready for this? About, about $200, just less than $200 for a month would give them more than a, a normal wage. Do you realize if you have a Sunday school class of 10 people, and you took an offering every week, and they all gave $5, that you could pay for an entire month of a staff person? How, how much have you wasted $5 every week? You know what the difference it would make to them? I, I, can't, I can't explain to you. These are people that are oftentimes, they don't have a family to support them, the students. And that you can help them still come to school by supporting them. They are worthy of your prayer. We need to pray for Ningwan and for Angelus. We need to pray for the Ukrul Baptist Church. We need to pray for the Ukrul Baptist Theological College. This is, this is not all of our missionaries we ought to pray for. But this is not normal. This is not normal. The fact that we got paired up with these people, that God has given us Randy and Kelly here out of our church, the, the fact that God has allowed us to travel, to Sandy to travel, and there is nobody that I admire more than, than Sandy. I don't know of a better Christian than Sandy. And I want you to know, this is, was her third trip? She keeps going back. That says something. That's, and they honor her, and she teaches the ladies and prays, and it's, it's, it's fantastic. We need to pray. But I also want to encourage you generously to give. I want to encourage, if you are not giving... On a regular basis at Columbia Road Baptist Church, and you're a member. If you're not a member, if you're visiting here, I don't want a dime of your money unless you want to give it. If you give it, we'll still take it. But if you are a member of this church, if this is the place where you call your church home, and you're not giving, I want you to know you are missing out. You are missing out. There are going to be rewards waiting for you in heaven because you gave. 15% of all of the tithes that come into our general fund goes into our missionary work. People give over and above so that we can support missionary work going on here. Our church supports an unusually large number of missionaries for the size of our church. I know that probably you don't have anything to compare it to, but I know churches who have a $60,000 offering every week and they support less missionaries than we do. I can't explain that. I can't explain that. Other than the Lord did it. Ningwan lives, what is it, two rooms? He lives in a two-room, sheet metal, practically hut, with his wife and his five children. Up until recently, his uh, main living room cooking area was a dirt floor. We, we showed up to see that they had increased into the realm of luxury, and now they have a rough concrete floor that they poured in there. 
Do you know that we can build him a culturally appropriate place to live, a nice place for him and his children for about $10,000? Do you know what it would cost to build a house right now here? The second building is being finished on their campus right now. It's been paid for by a ministry called the Carpenters Project, but they have moved on to a different ministry in Ethiopia that they're helping right now, and they have no money for that. Do you realize that we could build them a church building for about $80,000? Three-story, concrete, perfectly for, for that culture, for what they would expect. They could put the library in there. It would be used six days a week for chapel. It'd be used on the Lord's Day, morning and evening, and their midweek service. You, I mean, you can't build a house for $80,000. You say, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Yeah, but if you saw what I saw, if you saw what they were doing without... You know what? They're not sitting there waiting for us to give. They're not sitting there waiting. They're already reaching their people. They're already training young people. And you know what they're doing? All of these churches that are around them that are compromising with bad doctrine and bad church polity, do you know what they're doing to those churches? They're flooding them with their graduates who know good doctrine. And these graduates, by God's grace, are going to course correct these churches that have gone off. Think about the difference that's being made. They're already filled up their church building. They raised money for a church building, immediately filled it, had to knock the back out of it. Dirt floor, wooden pews, Plastic chairs. I mean, friends, we can make a real difference. We can make a real difference in what's going on. As we care for God's people there, I want you to know God will care for us here. As we care for God's people there, God will care for us here. This is perhaps one of the best things that's going on around the world right now. You have already helped make it possible. You have already helped make it possible. We were like the ravens as the man cried in his prayer. But it's time for more than ravens. It's time for the people that when, by faith, since Ningwon can't come here and can't make this plea on behalf of his ministry, <clears throat> we come and make it on behalf of his ministry. It's time for some people to believe that God will bless and if you're giving, praise God for what you're doing. If you're not giving, I want to encourage you to start. You say, will $5 make a difference? It absolutely will. It absolutely will. You cannot even buy a cup of coffee at some places for $5. I got a birthday gift from Starbucks. They gave me a birthday gift. And it wasn't enough to buy one of their coffees. <laughs> it's like, here, you get $4.60. Well, what's that going to get me? Not a cup of coffee. Apparently, I want you to know, whatever God does here, we will praise him for. And this is the only place that I want to be. I was there, and you know, the whole time I'm saying, Lord, do you want me to stay here? I'll stay here if you want me to stay here. There's a lot that, that I could do there, but the Lord's like, nope, that's not where you're supposed to be. He said, it's not, it's not, it's not you with the barrel and you with the crews. It's, you got to motivate the people with their barrels and with their cruises to see what God will do. 
and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes for a moment? I want to thank you so much for your good attention this morning. We had such an amazing, blessed trip. I got to, to preach in many places. One service, 16 people came to faith in Christ. You all have a part in that because you prayed for us. And you had a part in that because you gave and made it possible for us to go in your graciousness to allow me to be out of our pulpit for that long. I want to thank you for that. I really do. If you're here and you don't know Christ as Savior, I want you to know that this is the time in the service where we offer an invitation to invite you to act on what it is that God has put in your heart. If you've never trusted him, today I want to invite you to do so. Just like I did in a church of 300 or so people there in Ukrul at the Pungyo Baptist Church, I got up and I gave the gospel message and told about how Jesus died for their sins and how they could still be in church and be in church often but not really know God not know for sure that heaven was their home. And when we stood and began to sing, uh, 16 people came forward, young people, old people, and they knelt down and they prayed and they asked the Lord Jesus to forgive their sins and be their Savior. What, what a day of rejoicing in heaven it was. That can be for you today. With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, is there anyone here that would say, I am, I am not sure, I, I have doubts, I have doubts. I'm not sure that heaven's my home. I'm not sure my sins are forgiven. I don't have peace about that. Would you just slip your hand up and write back down? I want to pray for you. Is there anybody like that today? I'd like to pray for you and say, I, I am not sure, but I'd like to be sure. Anyone like that? Friend, I want you to write down somewhere to pray for these people. They are worthy of your time and energy. They are doing God's work. But I also want to encourage you to give. I don't know everyone's financial situation, and I know that it's different, but here's what I do know. God has made promises. God has made promises. Jesus said in the Gospel according to Luke, in Luke chapter 6, I believe it's verse number 38, he said, Give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down and shaken together. And running over shall men give into your bosom. For with what same measure, for with the same measure that ye meet withal, it shall be measured to you again. I know that there's people in here today who could give something to make sure that this work goes forward. I know there's people in here, I, I believe that there's some people in here who could write a check to build Pastor Ningwan a home. Some of you may be able to give towards the building. I don't know. You may know somebody that has money that wants to do something meaningful with their money and you can tell them there's something great going on in India. But it probably won't be raised by large donations. It might be, but it probably won't be. It'll be God's people faithfully giving each week as he blesses them. It wasn't a whole barrel full of meal or a whole cruise. It was just a little bit, but every time they reached in, it was there. Give to God's work. See the reward in heaven and the joy on this earth. Father, I pray that in this hour you would be glorified by how your children say yes to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.